0: Welcome back, everybody. It's CFB Winning Edge, the podcast edition. I'm your host, Scott Bogman. Follow me on the Twitter at Bogman Sports. Joined, as always, by the owner and proprietor of CFB Winning Edge, Nicholas Ian Allen. Follow him on the Twitter at CFB Winning Edge, and Xavier Trish at Xavier underscore Trish, T-R-I-C-H-E on the Twitter. And um, today we were going to do our brand new head coach draft that we do uh, annually now. This will be the third one that we do, but we are not going to do it today because we might have a gigantic opening in college football with the potential news uh, right now, of course, as you can tell, as we're recording, nothing is official yet, but Jim Harbaugh is now the odds on favorite, uh, according to a lot of books to be the head coach, to be the next head coach of the Miami dolphins. There's also a lot of rumors that he is interested in the Minnesota Vikings job as well. So, we are going to wait to do the draft until that is settled, whether we find out Jim Harbaugh is staying in Michigan or going off to the NFL and seeing if someone replaces him because a Michigan job would be enormous. But uh, let's just start right there, Nick, and talk about the potential for Jim Harbaugh to uh, jump ship and go to the NFL. Do you think that it is a um, – do you think that it's going to happen? Because I think two days ago, everyone would be like, nah, he's staying in Michigan. Today, after Sunday, after some of the reports we got in Monday morning, some of the reports we got from the NFL writers, seems like it's—I I would say—it's a better than fifty-fifty shot that he takes an NFL chop at this point.
1: It certainly is is trending that way, and that I think is why we decided. You know, what, let's just let's just wait a little bit, see how this plays out, because it seems like, uh, even though we've been talking about Jim Harwell for a. Couple couple of weeks and possible NFL openings that it probably will come to a conclusion pretty quickly. Uh, at, at this point, the Miami thing was a bit of a surprise to me. It seemed like that had kind of, you know, was an early name. I know there's a connection there with the ownership group in Harbaugh uh, and Michigan uh, as, it, as it stands, but um, seemed like that wasn't necessarily, you know, after initially thinking, Oh wow, that'd be a great fit. Uh, then, after a little bit, and there was some talk about, oh, no, you know, the owner said, oh, I wouldn't want to do that to Michigan. But that seems more and more likely now. He did officially interview with the Vikings. There's some reporting, sounds like, uh, mutual interest on both sides. He would have a legitimate shot at maybe being offered that job. And, you know, prior to that, I, what, Friday, Saturday, I was uh, seeing some things for some Michigan Uh, focused media members that were, you know, talking a little bit about the Minnesota job and saying, yeah, he interviewed, but if I were to handicap it, I'd say it's still probably, you know, 70% that he returns to Michigan. But it seems like every day it's getting a little bit more and more possible. And maybe even as you mentioned, more and more likely that uh, Jim Harbaugh ends up at the NFL. So uh, it wouldn't be to me, I guess I wouldn't be shocked either way. It, it wouldn't be a major shock if he says, no, I'm coming back. Uh, we're going to work out a new you know, contract and, and uh, not necessarily saying that he's doing this as a negotiating ploy to get a better contract. But uh, it, you know, that wouldn't be a, a major shock, but it also at this point, especially with two, it sounds like interested, you know, suitors in Minnesota and Miami Um, wouldn't be a big surprise if maybe even by the time you're listening to this, Jim Harbaugh is the, the, you know, an NFL
0: hood coach again. Yeah. I mean, Xavier, it's, uh, it's a little weird. We had a lot more, I think NFL coaching vacancies than we expected. And there's, you know, weirdness going on in Jacksonville, Sean Payton resigned, uh, you know, that there's a lot available here and, um, Harbaugh is a sought after name. He had a great year in college. He's taken a team to the Super Bowl in the NFL before. Uh, so it's not a surprise to see teams interested in him. I just kind of thought that I think that Harbaugh is a better college coach. But what do you think about him Him potentially leaving Michigan? And uh, is there anyone that that you would love to see in that in that spot if he should go?
2: I mean, personally, I think he's a better NFL coach. I think that Harbaugh is a guy who doesn't necessarily care all that much about – you know, I think he's much better with adults than he is with kids um, as far as, you know, the – kind of the laissez faire approach I think he wants to have to some of them. Um I don't necessarily think he wants to be a, a a dictator at all times and having to tell 18, 19, 20, 21, 22 year olds what to do at all times of the day and, and, and having to watch them almost. Um, I think this is something that he's, you know, I feel like going to college is something he maybe might have checked off his bucket list. And I think last year beating Ohio State, making it to the playoff um and all of that maybe been enough for him. You know, we talked about maybe he felt like he would come back because he can maybe push on from this. But honestly, he may just think that this is enough that he's done in college, uh, kind of like what he did in San Fran, right? He went to a Super Bowl. He didn't win that Super Bowl, and he left. You know, he was like, okay, cool. I've been to the top of the mountain. I know how to get there. I'm good. Uh, now I think, honestly, when he looks around the NFL, the landscape has changed so much for him. That I think it more so fits the kind of style that he had when he was in San Francisco, right, taking a chance on a young, uh, up-and-coming mobile quarterback, every team in the NFL seems like they're doing it right now. Right. I think so. He, so he sees that there's at least a much more of an opportunity for him to, to have his style in the NFL uh, versus what he, what he currently probably has in college, Uh, obviously with the recruiting restrictions and all that stuff. I mean, remember this is the guy who came right into college and tried to shake up, shake up the entire recruiting landscape. Right. This is the guy who came in right away and was like, I'm going to recruit exactly where you guys recruit and I'm going to do it better than you guys. And it was like, Slow your roll, buddy. We have rules here, and I think he wants to go to a place in the NFL that, for the most part, is a wild, wild west, and he's got to kind of, kind of go do what he wants to do, as long as obviously he's under the guidelines that Roger Goodell has set forth for the NFL. But I think he could kind of go there and do what he wants, and he may also see the writing on the wall with a team like Michigan, understanding that you know if he's going to be in a place where, that has an essential free agency, might as well attach money to it, right? So he can so he can go get certain guys, and certain guys have to be let go because of money, rather than kids just being able to go wherever they want to. So I think Jim Harbaugh is, is probably I think Miami is a great landing spot for him. I think they're a team that are right there on the cusp of making the postseason. Uh, and so I think that he feels like he could probably go to Miami and, and shake things up down there. And heck, who who doesn't love going to Miami? I mean, it's a beautiful place. It's much warmer than Michigan. So like, hey, yeah, yeah so he won't have to he won't have to play in what he did against Ohio State where he's in a, a blizzard at any point in the year unless he's going to like Foxborough in the middle of the playoffs.
0: Right. Uh, it's funny uh, that that you mentioned that because I feel like there's a couple things that make him a better college coach. Number one, uh, you know, when he made it to the Super Bowl, he was switching between quarterbacks. You know, which is something that college coaches do between uh, Kaepernick and Alex Smith, of course. Plus, I think he loves taking these guys to the Vatican every year, doing these, you know, open practices across the country in different spots. And I feel like he he's the type of person that actually likes to tell the kids what to do and how to structure their day. Remember, he was uh, telling them not to eat chicken because it's a cowardly bird and all that weird nonsense that he does. I think his I think his um, wackiness, I think it it's more um, I don't know, more acceptable to students than it is to grown men, you know, uh, but He's he's a good coach either way, and I actually think that Minnesota is a better landing spot for him because I think they have they already kind of have the team that he likes—a good running team with Madison and Cook. I think Cook's a free agent, so we'll see uh, if he comes back and a quarterback that is all right, you know, better than average. Kirk Cousins, I would say, is better than an average quarterback. I wouldn't say he's great or elite or anything like that, but he's good. He's good enough to win with, which I think um, entices him. I think too is a little bit of a question. So that's fair. Um, uh, I but, will say though. Yeah, go ahead.
2: I, I think we're seeing a little bit more leniency on wacky coaches in the NFL. I mean, let's look around guys. Adam Gates was hired like two years ago, looking like he was strung Where out is he on now, the though? podium. I'm just saying he, that's cause he lost, but you could be right. wacky and win now, you know, uh, Andy Reed, I think is the best example of this over the years, but you can be wacky and win now. I mean, we've got guys like, uh, Brandon Ashley in uh, in Los Angeles in, in Los Angeles who decided to go for forty uh, percent of fourth downs this year. Like you can be a little bit more weird and get away with it as long as you win ball games, which I think is right up Harbaugh's alley. You know what I'm saying? So I think that that's uh, I think he like I said I think the landscape of the NFL has changed enough for him to think that it's a possible that he can kind of get back in and, and get his feet wet a little bit.
0: All right. I mean, we'll see. I think he's going to end up being a coach somewhere. Like Nick mm-hmm. said, he is the betting favorite uh, for Miami now, which I also think is surprising. But I, I know Stephen Ross uh, does like him. And even Stephen Ross initially said that, um, you know, I'm not going to be the one to to take Harbaugh away from Michigan. I, I, I thought, like Nick, you mentioned, I thought it was a lot of uh, contract stuff. Like they made him take the pay cut last year. And then this year, he takes them to the tournament, so I'm thinking, okay, well, now this is him kind of sticking it to him because they made him take the pay cut. Now he's saying, well, now you're going to have to pay me. But maybe he just wants to go to the next level. We'll uh, we'll see. A couple other coaching moves: uh, Auburn's recently hired offense coordinator Austin Davis stepped down citing personal reasons. Um, Auburn also lost uh, defensive coordinator Derek Mason at Oklahoma State last week, meaning that head coach Brian Harson will have his fifth coordinator hire in the last two years, which, Nick, I feel like is just not a good look for him. So what is going on there?
1: It's a little bit of a concern. I mean, you know, outside optics, I guess, just a a little bit of a concern. You wonder uh, a little bit. There's some, you know, media folks, fan folks down in, in Auburn, asking, you know, just sort of exploring, oh, I'm just asking questions. What well, you know, this, this might not just look great. And in some ways it, it doesn't, I mean, not saying that Austin Davis was going to be the next great college offensive coordinator uh, as a young guy. It actually, I don't believe had ever been a, a play caller, Was coming from the NFL was uh, the quarterbacks coach in Seattle. Um, so it's not like it's a huge blow for, uh, you know Auburn spe- specifically that they can't recover from it's just you know there's there's been some uh, just some chatter around Harson uh, there's some folks who just think it's not necessarily you know a great fit uh, maybe you know won't be a long-term solution there um, and this is just you know one of those things kind of like a, a hiccup that you don't really expect. For a head coach especially you know just entering his second year uh there with the program um but it's just you know national signing day uh, is this week and so when you don't have an offensive coordinator in the building some guys who are still making their decisions on where to uh play college football you know understandably so kind of want to know what the offense is going to look like would like to know. And that, you know, Harson is an offensive uh, has an offensive background and I'm sure the, the offense wouldn't look totally different, whether it's uh, Davis or whoever else, you know, gets this job, but um, you still kind of want to know who you're going to be playing for and who's going to be calling those plays. Who's going to be designing the offense. And it's, it's something that you can't really answer with full certainty, uh, not, Having that position filled filled right now, uh, defensively, you know Mason left. He did a, a really good job. Attracted Oklahoma State, um, who is you know coming off a, a, an incredible defensive season, and they promoted from within, uh, going with with uh, Harson's former defensive coordinator at Boise State. Um, but this, you know, the, the offensive coordinator job they had gone outside the program before um and we're trying to fix uh you know last year with mike bobo wasn't great um so you know you you wonder a little bit what what's going on And it's not again like the end of the world but it's just one of those uh you hire a new guy young guy up and comer and you don't expect him to leave two days before national signing day so it just obviously catches the eyes of of some folks
0: us included uh, Xavier, what are you thinking about this? Uh, this Auburn news. I mean, like I said before, not a great look for Harson so far.
2: Absolutely not, and, and more importantly, and Nick hit it right on the head. But with signing day so close, I, I don't, you know, I don't know how impactful this is going to be on the kids that that want to sign with them. But I'm, I'm going to assume I could, you know, I could go ahead and assume it's going to be pretty impactful on their signing day. And I, and I get, you know really concerned about a class that really hasn't been all that great. You know, I, I think that when you look at them going into this year, they he's got a lot of holes to fill. Obviously, Bo Nix leaves. You think maybe TJ Finley's the guy. But if you could have brought in a quarterback that you really felt like could, could, to, could take that spot, uh, you know, you were going to do so. That's why they brought in, you know, other players. And I'm just concerned for how many people they're really going to have to need or who's, excuse me, how many people are actually going to stay with him after this decision? Because a guy like Robbie Ashford comes in, right, assuming that that's going to be his offensive coordinator. I'm not saying that Robbie Ashford's all of a sudden going to hop back in the transfer portal, but it wouldn't also surprise me if he was like, well, what's the offense going to look like? Am I so sure that I'm going to have the role in which I thought I was? Am I going to get the same shot at, at quarterback? Come him? Him. Right. He's, you know, uh, You know, am I going to have the same shot that I thought I was going to have? Uh, with the, is a new offensive coordinator that you hire going to like Calzada more? Am, am I not guaranteed the starting spot, which I may have thought I had when I decided to transfer here? And that those are the kind of decisions that uh, could could absolutely you know sh- be shifted come spring and fall camp. Uh, the other thing is obviously the kids who signed already, right? Like they, they they are signing, especially on the offensive end. They brought in a you know a couple a quarterback and a couple of athletes that we're assuming to, to come right in and play, obviously under that OC. And that, and with how volatile the transfer portal is, when you lose a coach, these kids may opt to redshirt and then sit out the year and transfer next year. You know that that is a possibility that now we have to take into account with them being able to move as freely as they can. Which is, hey, if they don't like the situation; they can be out in a year, and there's nobody that can really, and there's nothing that can really stop them from doing so. Um, and so I, I think that you know this is a, you know, a lot of articles that I'm seeing from from Auburn. Uh, for coming out of Auburn or, or is Brian Harsing going to get, you know, be able to put out the fire, get off the mat is another one I'm seeing. And I think that's a perfect description of where he's at right now after a, an underwhelming year, I think culminating in what was pretty much a microcosm for them in the, in the iron bowl, um, you know, that they had a lot of games kind of just slip out of their fingertips last year. Uh, between that one, Mississippi State for like, or, you know, uh, it was another one, excuse me. And so I feel like Brian Harson has to write the ship a little bit. And it's going to be that much harder to do so uh, when he, he's going to be spending, you know, the next, I hope, hopefully not the next month, but maybe the next month, trying to figure out who's going to be his OC and uh, DC, which is uh, obviously positions of, of, of need, especially this late in the cycle. Who is he going to go get? Like, that's, that's going to be another problem with it. Is who's going to want to come into a situation where? Genuinely, these coaches are kind of going to have anywhere from from four to eight weeks to get ready for spring practice. Whoever he hires, like that's going to be what happens. They're so going to have four to eight weeks to get ready to, to 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 get these kids going for spring practice, and that's a lot of pressure. No matter who he decides to bring in, like I said, a fire type feeling around this when you come in as a head coach, and they're going to be like, "All right, cool." So you've got to instill your, you know, your offensive playbook, your, your 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 game plan, and everything going. And our spring practice is. April 15th or something or rather like that's just going to be a lot of pressure on whoever they bring in and they're really going to need more time to do so, which that means now your reps in spring practice, do they mean any less or do they have even more importance because of the fact that you have a brand new OC and DC that have had such little time.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, it's uh, it's just a strange situation. Also a uh, strange situation. Arizona state has a new offensive coordinator term. Edwards high Glenn Thomas, who was most recently on staff at UNLV to fill the role vacated by the resignation of Zach Hill. Uh, Hill was one of three ASU coaches to leave the last week, uh, you know, with this investigation happening at Arizona state. So, I mean, it looks like they're finding themselves some scapegoats, at least Nick. So um, a lot of moving and shaking at ASU right now.
1: I remember when this news first broke, I was pretty quick to say, that herm edwards days were numbered and thought there was you know just based on some of the early uh reports and some of the details as they started to come out
0: that herm edwards went to edwards- the he, he went to the chris carter school of find a fall guy you know i don't know if you remember him saying <laughs> that at like the rookie symposium but yeah it was a whole thing so uh
1: but i mean you know it it sounded really bad early on, and I thought, oh man, there's no way Edwards survives. And then it nothing never happened, and so it seemed for a little while like, okay, are they just not you know going to do anything? And, and you would occasionally hear, oh, you know, so and so. I think they had a, a GA that ended up you know having to to. Uh, get fired for cause, and and you know there've been little pieces here there that make you think, okay, it's not over, obviously, and there's still the ongoing investigation. But uh, this this was a big one, and Zach Hill was uh, kind of connecting the the last, last two thoughts uh, was reportedly uh, really really high on Auburn's list when uh, you know before they they went with. Um, uh, with Davis and then just all of a sudden, you know, oh no, Hills, they're, they're not hiring Hill. Like it sounded like it was going to be a done deal. Um, and then just all of a sudden, oh no, actually he's not. And so you wonder if they knew, you know, if, if somebody said like, oh, actually this, you know, the the hammer is going to drop here on Hill before long. So you can't really, this, this can't really be the direction we go in. Um, but you look at a, a resume wise and I know Glenn Thomas was with the Atlanta Falcons was uh, you know, has a, a, a long history, but you don't really think of, you know, Oh, a guy who was on staff at UNLV last year. <laughs> doesn't really uh, jump off the, the sheet as being a, a home run hire for in Arizona state who, you know, is expecting to, to compete in the pack 12 next season. So uh, I have, I just, again, I guess my my sense is that something, you know, finally I guess some things are happening and then maybe this becomes uh, a situation where Edwards might eventually be out. Maybe other people in the athletic department might eventually be out. Other coaches on staff, if not Edwards, you know, if they do successfully, I guess, find uh, some other folks to, to you know, sort of take the brunt of it. But yeah, I mean, this this was certainly a sign that this thing is not over and that we might, you know, certainly learn more later. But at least for the interim, you know, Glenn Thomas is uh, one of the dozens of of uh, new offensive coordinators, at least at this moment, who will be, you know, calling plays at the FBS level next
0: season. So let's not forget, of course, of the uh, gigantic hiring of Brian Billick to this mm-hmm. ASU. Staff mm-hmm. Also, but uh, what do you think of, of this hire and what has been going on at ASU?
2: I, I mean, Either they really, really are loyal to Herm, or, I mean, you know, I hate to use the term where that you hate to use, but I mean, where there's smoke, there's fire. Like it's either a, a slow culmination to him eventually leaving, as they continue to let guy or as guys continue to, you know, step down, or Herm has survived this and he's gonna be the head coach for the near future, right? Like that's just where the, where where is this where this is going? Um, as far as Herm is concerned, and, and bringing in like like. Like I said, kind of the same situation around uh, Auburn. Not exactly the same, but to have this much change right before signing day, and I think which is a very important year for Herm on the field in Arizona State after what was pretty much, you know, uh, I won't say a dumpster fire last year, but it wasn't great. Uh, I, I think that you really have to put together a good year in what's Jaden Daniels probably last year, I would say. I don't think he's able to even stick around. I don't think he has enough eligibility to do so. So you've got to put the best team on the field this year, and for a team that – Finished eight and five last year. You're, you, you you would hope to have a little bit more continuity coming into spring, right? Which which and we talked about this last week with USC with in a, in a conference that's having a ton of turnover, whatever team can have you know, some semblance of continuity and, and consistency to start off the year could be the team that ends up you know, competing for a Pac-12 championship, to be perfectly honest with you, between uh, Oregon obviously having the turnover with Dan Lanning and, and guys like Travis Dye entering the uh, the portal. You've got uh, Lincoln Riley at USC. Obviously, they're still trying to figure out who's going to be their quarterback because Caleb Williams hasn't said anything, and we'll get to Jackson Dart in just a second. Like A, a team like Arizona State is one of those teams them in like a UCLA and Utah are a team that could absolutely compete for a Pac-12 championship if they're able to be consistent from the beginning of the year. And so with all this coach turnover, which I don't think we're done here, I don't think those are going to be the only three guys to drop down. I'll be perfectly honest with you. I think we'll see maybe a couple more as the season, as we get through the spring before we're able to finally just say, okay, Herb's got his job. He's good. Um, I think we, we may have to see a little bit more, you know, shake up there from, uh, from the coaching staff. Uh, so with that being the case, I, I think Arizona State, is it a, like I said, is in a state of flux and needs to hunker down as they get closer to spring practice. Like like we said, like I said, spring practice is not that far away. Um, I know I guessed with Auburn spring game being April 15th, but it was April 9th. Like these these things have to get set in stone as quick as possible so that your current team can get ramped up for, for and like I said, for Herman and Arizona State. It could be a really good season if they're able to do so.
0: Yeah, and it's, it's strange to me, Nick, that you know, we've got all this movement happening right now. And Miami, who hired their head coach weeks ago, still don't have coordinators. So what is going on with the Hurricanes right now? and Why don't, do not they not have coordinators yet?
1: That's another, you know, that's, a, that's another question that's coming up. And it's uh, more concerning maybe to, to folks there.
0: Signing days on Wednesday.
1: Uh, on the ground. Exactly. And so, you know, with, uh, like I said, with Brian Harson, you know, he came up as an offensive coordinator, uh, certainly would have a lot of input in how his offense is going to be structured at Auburn and Mario, first of all, I guess, you know, is an offensive line coach and has, has, uh, long worked on the offensive side of the ball, but he just strikes me a little more, you know, like he would have maybe a little less input. So I feel like it, uh, program like Miami who, you know, came in, made this big, huge hire, wants to make a splash. Uh, If, if you're trying to get, you know, whether it's high school guys or, or uh, if you're looking in the the transfer portal, a little bit of a concern, exactly what the offense might look like Um, because we've, we've heard a lot of different names guys get rumored. I know Joe Brady was uh, one of the early names mentioned, and I guess he's still, available right uh, um but there haven't been there hasn't been a whole lot to uh you know to to kind of figure out what direction miami's going other than it sounds like some people have turned this job down um uh, who i'm i'm my mind just went blank on some of the guys that um had been rumored a, a few weeks ago i know there've been several but uh miami just lost Brian McClendon, who has uh, had the, the title of co-offensive coordinator, but it, it sounded like all along that he wasn't going to be the primary play caller, but McClendon, uh, you know, went to Georgia, is, is headed back to Georgia after he had followed uh, Cristobal from Oregon to Miami. Um, but yeah, it's it's got to be a little bit of a concern that Cristobal has been on the job now for what, two months? And doesn't have a coordinator on either side of the ball. Oh, Ken Dorsey was somebody who was rumored, but now it sounds like he's maybe in line for an NFL offensive coordinator job. Uh, now that, who is it? Dable is is gone. Brian he was kind of his yeah, right-hand he, man. He went to the Giants. Uh, right. right. So, you know, I know he was somebody who was kind of rumored there for, for a little while, and there's been some other folks in. But, uh, yeah, you know, with signing day coming up, and I guess now first year, Uh, head coaches signing day, it seems like isn't quite as big a deal because everybody's kind of come to the realization that that first class is a little bit of a uh, lost cause in a lot of cases. So maybe just focus on the transfer portal, but, You know, Xavier's brought up the point a couple of times, and it's a good one, that uh, spring practice just around the corner. you got to get the stuff installed. What's the offense going to look like? What's the defense going to look like? So the longer this thing drags out, not only is it uh, cutting your time to, you know, accumulate talent, however it is you're going to go about doing that, but to get these guys prepared. And, and yeah, we're still, you know, seven months away from the season kicking off, so it's not like it's – an immediate uh issue but there is there's got to be a little bit of a a sense of urgency that um need to know what what the uh both sides that you know all are going to look like and and who's going to be calling plays and and uh, what sort of direction is this program going to take in year one under a new head coach
0: yes javier i mean it's just like nick said it's just a strange look you've been on the shop for two months Still don't have an OC or uh, the defensive coordinator. It just doesn't make a lot of sense uh, from you know uh, a practical standpoint. So, what do you think is going to happen with this uh, with these two spots up here?
2: I mean, Miami's got, and the the weirdest part about it is like Miami has has at one point had such pull, and you thought that maybe a guy you know in in Cristobal, who's obviously from Miami, been there, done that, like. Miami was ecstatic. the fan base itself was ecstatic when he when he decided to come you know come there, but this is a, a school that has already had such oddities in their coaching hires. Think about that like remember, uh, oh God, I forget who was there just before him who was who did it just fire? Well, it was like the lame duck coach kind of still doing and the recruiting. Is. Yeah, like Diaz was still doing like some of the recruiting, and like while he was like in flux of being there, not being there, kind of waiting for Cristobal to make his decision. They were still like, like, "Hey, Manny, like hold off on like leaving just yet because we don't know if Cristobal's coming." But as soon as he does, like you're out of here. Like that was kind of like the sentiment that was going on, and so that was already like a weird like situation. Then your your co offensive coordinator and I- McClendon decides to go for what many people would theme a lesser position as the wide receiver coach at Georgia. Uh, I don't know if that's due to instability or if he's just wanted to go back to where, you know, he, you know, he, he loved being there, but like, you know, that's obviously not only that, but that's a massive recruiter. Like Brian McClendon has one of the best, like, last four years of recruiting that you could possibly have uh, as an assistant, bringing in guys like Todd Gurley, Nick Chubb, all of those guys. Those those were like – he was like the major recruiter for them as well. So, like, you lose that – not only a, a coach, but you lose one of the best recruiters in college football too. And it's just like with the – as many people as you would think would line up to be the, the – the not even just the offensive coordinator, the defensive coordinator at a school that has such defensive rich history as Miami. And as right now you're really, like – pulling at straws to figure out who it's going to be. Nick just put uh, Jason candle uh, the, the current Toledo head coach, if that mis- I'm, I'm mistaken uh, as a possible OC candidate, uh, you know, but, but like that's a, obviously something that we're going to have to see if that even happens. But, you know, I, I just, well, sorry, that,
1: that was candle. I'd forgotten. I was trying <laughs> to remember who, who, were the, you know, And I said Dorsey, but Jason candle apparently was offered the job. They had gotten a little bit uh, farther down the line on maybe he's going to be the guy. And, and he announced a week or, week or more ago that he was going to stay at Miami. And yeah, I just, I had forgotten that, but this, uh, that's part of it. I mean, they have been, they've been down this road a few times with some, they've taken some shots. I mean, trying to hire a, a, you know, an FBS sitting head coach as your offensive coordinator, if they were able to land him pretty impressive. But uh, if you miss and, and miss, you know, on, on two or three guys like this, um, not necessarily a great signs.
0: So, yeah, sorry. You I, that doing? was confusing. You busy? You, I put it in the wanna... chat. <laughs> You want to be the DC uh, of Miami? I mean, hey man, you know. I'll do it.
2: You know, I,
0: I, I don't think I want Al Blades cussing me out on Twitter, but
2: I'll take it. Like we 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 could get to going. Like I'm scared of Ray Lewis, but like, hey, yeah, I don't want to ruin their university's defense whatsoever. Those are some scary fellas. I don't need Ed Reed knocking on my door, but like, hey, I'm I'm available. Trust me, I, I've got a whole staff I could get ready. I got DC coaches, I got D uh, line coaches, cornerback coaches from my former time in college. I mean, it's just, it just a
0: call away. Javier so, can make it happen. That's right. Hey you
2: don't have to give me a lot of money for my staff. We're all like under the age of 27, 45 to 65 to K is enough. You don't have to give me 7 million. Like what Florida. gave uh, he's, like, he's
0: on the cheap on. too. Miami. Exactly. Listen to my guy right here. Right. This is his, you know? uh resume. So, um, yeah, man. I mean, it, it's, uh, it's weird, you know, and there's, there's been some weird coaching stuff in the NFL too, where like the Jaguars, they didn't interview Kevin O'Connell. Um, uh, before, so they can't mm-hmm. now cannot interview him until after the Super Bowl. <laughs> so, and we got the Shrine Game and the Senior Bowl coming up this week as well. So, like you, you're not going to have your potential uh, head coach or GM be able to look into these things. I don't know. It's just it, it's um it's a weird process. 2022 is uh, already kicked off in a weird way. I mean, Georgia won, you know, so a- everything is uh is a little bit different than normal here, right, Xavier? So. I'm uh, just trying to pry it, yeah, because you get me with the Texas stuff all the time, but, uh, but but uh, I mean, it's just when are these guys going to be hired? Because there is stuff coming up on the horizon, yeah. yeah, yeah, and it's just kind of unbelievable that we have this like laissez-faire attitude towards it, like Xavier said earlier. But uh, I want to talk about the transfer portal here, and uh, we've got some huge names moving in the last week. Obviously, for Ole Miss, uh, we just saw them get. Jackson Dart and Michael Trigg from both from USC on the offensive side. On the defensive side, they added Georgia Tech transfer, Jared Ivy, as well as Auburn defensive lineman, JJ Pegas. So um, a lot for Ole Miss. Michigan state may have found the heir apparent to Kenneth Walker, as they got Jared Broussard, the PAC 12 offensive player of the year from Colorado to transfer. And then Caleb Williams it, it still hasn't decided. And he has narrowed it down to USC or Wisconsin. Um, it'd be very strange to see him go to Wisconsin because it seems like everything is set up for him to go to USC, but He's still kind of debating where he wants to go here, Nick. So uh, a lot of movement, a lot of significant movement in the portal this week.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, Jackson Dart, uh, certainly the the headliner, a a guy who really flashed some big time potential uh, in five starts at USC. Uh, just did participated in a uh, the way too early. Uh, CFF mock draft that Jared Palmgren uh, ran now of campus to Canton great group of guys there Um, and Dart hadn't even you know announced his intentions was just sort of uh, at the time considered a, a lean to Ole Miss but was drafted as the 13th quarterback drafted in the sixth round so you know he's somebody that is going to help any offense and to be put in a uh, prolific offense like the one that Lane Kiffin has built at Ole Miss is pretty exciting and expectations are going to be high for him. And I'm, I was just looking through, I, I know I referenced the uh, sporting news uh, last week, I think it was, that put together kind of a, a composite of a lot of the way-too-early top 25s because when I was you know, throwing out some names of who I thought might be among our highest-graded team's, uh, looking ahead to, to 2022, I thought with the right transfer quarterback, and, and a lot of signs were pointing that you know Ole Miss would go to the transfer portal to replace Matt Corral. Uh, I thought Ole Miss, and still do think they might have a shot at at least a top 10 uh, power ranking in our numbers, just because the the overall you know roster strength numbers are really high, and they certainly do have to replace. Uh, a lot of key contributors. I mean, it's not just Corral, but multiple running backs, you know, multiple wide receivers, uh, uh, basically their whole linebacking core. But there's a lot of talent still on hand. And when you can throw, you know, a guy like Jackson Dart, who doesn't have a, a huge uh, body of work, but what he has, you know, I know his his first real playing time this year. What was it against Washington State when Keaton Slovis went down? uh he he just like exploded and and just looked like the next great college football you know quarterback and and so uh that potential i think is certainly there and he's you know he's he's a highly enough rated guy according to our numbers I and mean, he was a national uh i think he was a Gatorade national player of the year if i remember correct in utah in, in 2020 so he came in you know ranked really high a high four star guy and so he's and eighty-five is a true freshman in our current uh, power ratings, and and bumping that up to him being a true sophomore next year, he'll be pretty close to a ninety. So that's not a huge drop-off from Corral, who is a max you know max-rated player, a one hundred-rated player. Uh, so it's it's definitely you know I I don't see Ole Miss falling off very much, at least as far as the 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 very first numbers go, power rating wise. And I'm a little bit surprised that there don't seem to be a whole lot of folks out there, or at least you know maybe it's changed now that they do have Dart and Trigg and um, you know some other guys. They've, they've been really busy in the, the transfer portal in recent weeks, so maybe these would change in the next edition, like the spring uh, top 25 or whatever. But I believe only one major outlet had uh, Ole Miss ranked, or no, two two did. The Sporting News actually did had them 19th. ESPN had them twenty third, but of the other seven that that are listed here, uh, none of them actually had Ole Miss listed in, in the top twenty five. And I thought, at least early on, there might be a chance that they could be, you know, seven, eight, nine, something like that in our, our power ratings. And they finished last season fifteenth, so that's still not necessarily out of the realm of possibility. Um, but I, I think. Uh, you know, and things certainly could change. We've got a lot of time. But uh, I think as of right now, Ole Miss might be a little bit underrated by the, the market, but has uh, certainly made a splash here of late with uh, these transfer portal additions. Michigan State continues to uh, work the transfer portal really well. Broussard, two years ago, as you mentioned, Pac- uh, Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Year, Last year was a little bit banged up. Numbers came down a bit, but 1,500 rushing yards the last two years. Uh, Jalen Berger was already on, you know, had already committed the former uh, four-star transfer from Wisconsin, who I know a lot of talent evaluators uh, have liked, and and he seemed like maybe he was going to have the inside track to sort of take over for Walker. But um, I think as of now, Broussard at least has a little bit more of a – you know is a little bit more of a proven commodity, so he probably moves to the top of the list. But they might might have a little bit more depth there than in in years past. And Michigan State's a team, kind of the inverse of Ole Miss that that we've been pretty low on. Um, they've been much higher in a lot of those, you know, uh, way too early um, rankings. But I uh, didn't think that we would be, you know, super high on them. I think they're a, I just no lower. Than twentieth in any of the ones that they're uh, ranked in, and as high as number nine by two four seven sports. So anyway, but you know our numbers were a little bit not looking great, as you know didn't think that they would maybe be a top twenty five team. But with a guy like Broussard, who's a ninety three rated player, uh, filling in, you know the the big shoes of Walker, who was a a Heisman contender and a one hundred rated player, going to be. You know, going to going to help for sure. Um, and then lastly, I mean, Caleb Williams. We've been talking about him for a month or more now. Um, and the Wisconsin idea. Like, I remember I saw it the very first time I saw it was a <laughs> Wisconsin mailbag um, that was at uh, the Athletic. And I just saw like a tweet for it. I didn't even read the the article at first, and I was like, Caleb Williams of Wisconsin. Like, it was the question or you know, title of it was, "What are the what are the chances?" And my first thought was, like, 0%. zero percent? Like, why Yeah, yeah. Like, why? What? Who said anything about Caleb Williams in Wisconsin? But it's just slowly kind of built a little bit more momentum. And I, just before we started uh, recording, I saw something from, uh, I believe it was Chris Hummer at 247 Sports who mentioned that uh, apparently UCLA is not out of it completely yet. So there's a, a chance there. But at least as of right now, it seems like USC or Wisconsin. And I saw a graphic, you know, somebody somebody put together a graphic of all the uh, sort of relationships that Williams has to, to Wisconsin, including they just hired uh, Bobby Ingram, most recently of the Baltimore Ravens, their tight ends coach, as the offensive coordinator. Not that that hire really kind of excites a lot of people necessarily of what the Wisconsin offense is going to look like, but it just so happens apparently that Bobby Ingram is Caleb Williams' father's best friend and that there are all these other connections. And so seems like there's a real chance. It seems like a little bit of an odd fit and I still don't, I, it's sort of a, I'll believe it when I see it kind of thing, but yeah, it could happen. And, and it certainly would shake things up a bit and be a, a really interesting landing spot. But sounds like maybe this week we'll know if it's USC or Wisconsin or maybe a slight chance UCLA. But uh, hopefully we'll have a conclusion pretty soon. But, um, you know, the, the biggest pieces in the transfer portal seem to be, uh, if not falling into peace, like Jackson Dart, maybe Broussard. Um, at least kind of signs are pointing that it's, it's going to slow down a little bit, at least at the very, you know, top end and, and Caleb Williams being the biggest piece uh, of the puzzle, probably uh, still out there.
0: And uh, Xavier, your thoughts on the transfer portal movements here, obviously Ole Miss getting a bunch, but Bruce to Michigan state also very, very big. So uh, what do you think? Yeah. And once
2: again, uh, Mel Tucker, Digs in his bag and goes out and gets a guy who, obviously, he was a part of coaching, bringing into Colorado. Who I really think that was a nice move for them. Um, obviously, once you look at what Kenneth Walker was able to do with Michigan State last year, you have to.
1: I didn't even make that connection. Yeah, <laughs> you are you're absolutely right. Yeah, he coached at Colorado. up.
2: Okay, mm-hmm. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, you got to think that after what Kenneth Walker was able to do for Michigan State last year, what running back wouldn't want to think about going there? Heck, if I was Travis Dye, I might even kick the tires on it. Honestly um uh, after that, after how you know how not only just how good of a year that he had but how focused the offense was you know for Kenneth Walker and, and how explosive he was able to be um and, and so i would absolutely think about going there i think that's a great move for him um it's a guy who in on top of that it's a guy who is coming off of injury so kind of needs a big year um and i think it's going to need it's going to be pretty well it's going to be pretty featured excuse me in that offense um, as you know if you can rush for almost 1000 yards at at Colorado Let's see what you can do. Obviously, at Michigan State, what has been you know one of the better running teams in the country over the last year. Um, as far as you know, Jackson Dart going to Ole Miss, we knew he was going to get one of them. Like everybody knew, Lane was going to get one of these quarterbacks, whichever one he just liked the most. Um, you know, there was obviously room. Every time a quarterback entered the transfer portal, there was like, yeah, he's going to Ole Miss. You know, it was but it was like, okay, he's going to get at least one of these guys, and I think he got the one that think best fits his system. Jackson Dart. It really is going to remind a lot of guys uh, of Matt Corral with his ability to use his legs. Uh, Jackson Dart is a guy who wants to, you know, who's mobile, who's agile, who wants to do those kind of things, and is, wants to run Lane Kiffin's system. Uh, what I think is going to be so funny is how many people decide to, to, to speak on Jackson Dart wearing what's like a, a Braveheart-like uh, eye black. He wears like this Braveheart-esque <laughs> eye black across one of his eyes, and I can't wait to see like half – half of Ole Miss' stadium doing the same thing after they start the season off 4-0, and you know what I'm saying? And everybody's got, like, the Braveheart Jackson Dart going on in, in, the, in the, the, the south end zone. Like, it's going to be great. Uh, I think Lane Kiffin may actually even don it himself. I mean, that's just kind of the guy Lane Kiffin is, right? <laughs> like, Lane Kiffin is a, definitely a guy who's like, we are behind Jackson Dart. And it's just, like, right there on his face. Um, you know, like, come on. Uh, that'll be great. I think he's got nothing he's not but upside. He's not Right. I mean <laughs> remember, okay. remember that
1: like when Jim Moore was at UCLA and his coaches had those?
2: yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I mean let's be honest but with ourselves. Apparently, and I'm not you? a
1: huge I'm not a huge Star Wars guy, but apparently it's uh Anakin Skywalker inspired.
2: Oh, okay. So well, even better that used I mean, hey, to be, I don't know. Now we get may the force be with you signs as well. I mean, this is just adding to what Ole Miss was going to do with Jackson Dart at quarterback, um, at least from a from a from a promotion standpoint man it may the force be with you when that drops just wait for that Jackson uh stuff that comes out as well um but yeah I think that's a great move for him you know I think he's got nothing but upside and I think he leaves, he puts himself in a really good situation. Obviously, you know, this is an offense that is going to help out any quarterback, but he's not going to have one year, but maximum two years in the system uh, under Lane Kiffin, uh, you know, and I think that that's just going to make it really good for him at, as far as being draft eligible. Um, heck, we, we've seen Matt Corral, me and Scott probably have seen Matt Corral as high as 10 in most draft in some mock drafts, you know, this year. So obviously when I you put play him in, higher
0: than that, yeah.
2: Exactly. So like he, when you play in the Lane Kiffin system, there's got there's going to be people who are excited to what you to see what you could do as a pro prospect, um, and yeah, I mean Caleb Williams, I want him to come to Georgia. We also all oh, know that's not going to happen. You know, I, I slipped that in there like four weeks ago. Or you, know, you know, we, had, we had slipped, slipped him some cash. Thought he was coming over to UGA, uh, but no. Georgia's I think it, national.
1: Championship-winning quarterback is coming. Oh back. yeah, I mean that, that I mean, was that wasn't that wasn't decided, happening right? at that point. he's he's the guy, and everybody's oh, yeah, behind him. From,
0: but I, but Xavier was offering I'm an joking. NIL, so you know I uh, <laughs> I don't know why he didn't I'm take sure it.
1: So. Wisconsin and uh, USC, I'm sure there's plenty
2: of that out there. <laughs> the real question is, and, and, and Nick, you didn't hit on this part. If Caleb Williams goes to Wisconsin, then where does the highly touted Graham Mertz find himself? Like, where, where does Graham Mertz land? Is, is, he, is he Does he go from P5 to P5? Is he a guy that can genuinely step with me? Graham Mertz at USC? Does he go out to the West Coast and try to see what he can do in the Lincoln-Riley system? I'm not saying USC would go after him, personally. But, you know, <laughs> what, what, Like because when I look at Graham Mertz, I think I look at a guy that, like, right now is Wisconsin's best quarterback by a mile and that's not saying much for what he's been able to do what he's shown us on the field but wisconsin's going to go with him next year if he's the guy who's still there and caleb williams doesn't come in but graham mertz in the eye of the rest of college football what does that look like yeah
1: i think we not. cross that bridge when we get there i <laughs> i'm still in a i'll believe it when i see it caleb williams at wisconsin so uh but yeah i, I mean we've said before we're not super high on uh the, the current Wisconsin quarterback situation. So I'm not sure exactly what the market would look like. I mean, he was really highly rated uh, right out of high school and he's from Kansas. Is that right? Uh, so, I mean, maybe maybe somebody in the Big 12 would be really interested in, uh, you know, going after him if he wanted to get back a little closer to home. But um, I don't know. It's a good question he hasn't quite lived up to expectations although we have seen flashes here or there uh so maybe he would you know maybe he'll maybe he would blossom even in the new system if caleb williams doesn't go there but uh as of right now my initial thought is it wouldn't necessarily he wouldn't necessarily be the most highly sought after
0: now now I mean, I'm just on. thinking, uh, you, you okay you said something interesting there to me nick uh you said uh We'll believe it when we see it when Caleb Williams goes to Washington. So before when we said the zero sarcastically, of course, the zero percent chance, now <laughs> what, what would you put it at realistically? Because I, mean, I mean right <laughs> now he says two Is there a prop bet on there? You, you want to say fifty-fifty, but there's no way it's gotta be like 75-25, right?
1: Well, so so I mean, anytime I hear down to two schools. I, I want to say a close to 50-50. It does sound like UCLA is still not dead yet. So maybe you put UCLA at 5% and then Wisconsin at, you know, I would be tempted to say Wisconsin at 45% and USC at 50%, but in all, in all honesty, I mean, do I really believe that Wisconsin's got a 45% chance of of landing a five-star quarterback who could go anywhere he wants to go? Not knocking Wisconsin. I hear great things. And, and, you know, obviously there's the Russell Wilson connection. He had a lot of success there and went on to a great pro career. So it's not like it's a quarterback graveyard or anything. But I don't know. 35%, 30%? Something like that. I mean, it still seems like USC is the team to beat, but why hasn't it happened yet? If it, right, you know, I mean, I, I, I th- get making your take your time, make sure the decision is correct. But if everybody thought, oh, slam dunk immediately, yeah, he's going to USC. You know,
0: not so uh, fast. Every my day friend. it doesn't happen. Uh-huh. It
1: Seems like maybe there's a little more likelihood that something else happens. So I don't know. It's right. got me. It, it's got me confused.
0: <laughs> yeah, that that's what I think, too, Xavier. I'm like, uh, well, uh, I, I would say it's still close, closer to zero than it is to 50. But um, I, every day that he doesn't say, yes, I'm going to USC adds a little bit more to this fire. So. Uh, what do you think? Do you think yeah. he's definitely going to USC or do you think there's a real chance that he ends up at Wisconsin? I mean,
2: it feels like when when, when a couple gets engaged and then you're like three years later, you guys are still engaged. It's like the more ye- the more time that goes by. <laughs> is this actually going to happen? Or you guys just going like to you know? that
0: really happen. Yeah. Right, 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 right,
2: right. You know, and so I, I just think that if he doesn't sign anywhere by like mid-February, there's, there's got to be some panic. And it, it going on in, in California. Like, there's got to be something going on in this Los Angeles. If he hasn't signed by, you know, late February, we're talking about this, you know, around the, the 26th or 27th, and then, then there's going to be, you know, panic stations from Lincoln Riley and that company. Because, Nick, you can tell me right now if Caleb Williams doesn't transfer to USC, who's the guy?
1: <laughs> mm. Sorry. Uh, the slogans move to Pittsburgh. <laughs> Jackson yeah. Dart
2: goes to Ole Miss. And so, you know, Uh, so Miller Moss.
1: Yeah, Miller Moss is the uh, Mm -hmm. the guy still on the uh, depth chart. So he was a pretty highly rated player just below Jackson Dart in his uh, two for seven sports composite rating. But most folks that I see kind of talking about uh quarterbacks and you know there's a lot more excitement for jackson dart than there is miller moss moss got a little bit of playing time last year and you know did uh, well i don't even have the the stats right probably i can can uh, find them um but uh, you know I, I dart it seems even though they were really closely uh rated coming out of high school uh seemed like by the time they had set separated themselves that dart was like the next great thing and moss a little bit forgettable uh he ended up playing in two games 27 snaps completed eight of 13 passes against Cal in the uh the last game because dart went out with an injury if memory serves 74 yards one touchdown zero interceptions um so he's i guess the you know would maybe take those first snaps in spring if this isn't uh determined they've got a transfer from oklahoma state brandon costello who was uh i want to say a high three-star guy uh when he signed transferred but i actually believe he transferred as a walk-on so um not necessarily somebody that you would expect to be uh high on the list and then Mohasan, a transfer from Vanderbilt was out uh, all of 2020 with an ACL and then is he even still on the roster? I don't know so they I mean they've got some guys on the roster, I guess, but you would you would expect they would go heavy into the portal and maybe, you know, maybe if Graham Merch shows up,
2: that might be I got, I got, a guy I got that they would you. just
1: be forced to go after.
2: I don't know. I got one for you, Nick. I got one for you. This is a redemption arc. Okay? Hear me out. Don't don't don't, don't scoff at me yet, Scott. <laughs> JT Daniels goes back to USC.
1: Hey, you know, it might I mean he's, I a, he's, he's
2: went sour.
1: <laughs> Got a lot of potential. New new coaching staff there. So it's like it's it's not necessarily something he would uh I mean we uh what Hunter Johnson went back to Clemson, right? So I mean it's not unheard of it's that a former five different. star doesn't quite pan out at the next place, goes back uh to
0: yeah. I mean, JT Daniels, there they're probably worse options for sure. I think Hunter I mean, Johnson went back worse. to get his degree, you know, uh more than anything. And then uh you know, well, I, mean, I think no, JT Daniels still has it. I think he saw his aspirations of of playing in the NFL, so I just don't know. I, I guess maybe he would be on the table if Caleb Williams should not go. You know that would um, make sense, I guess. So uh, I just if, if that's the the spot that he liked, I just don't see why you you know leave and go back and leave and go back. I mean, the, we've we all saw Brew McCoy, right? So uh, it's a bunch of nonsense to me. So uh, moving back. So in forward, the but... in the two four seven. Uh,
1: transfer portal rankings. The highest uncommitted quarterback is Air Force transfer AJ Snow. So a lot of this is, uh, or these are—is that right? That's weird. <laughs> uh So a lot. I mean, you know, there's just not a whole lot of.
2: There's not a whole. And that's lot what I'm saying, what I'm right saying is like there's just uh, not uh, a yeah. lot of guys and in in at the current moment when you look at the, the quarterback position, like. You, most of the guys who you would think have left. Amon have...
1: Romney, BYU. <laughs> uh, let's see. I mean, he's you know started some. Yeah, San Diego State has a couple
0: of guys there. Not
1: necessarily super inspiring. Uh, <laughs> yeah, good, good. Uh, I, I think he'd be luring someone
0: we're not thinking of. Yeah, you know? would.
1: You would have to draw someone out. You know, after right. after this news happened.
0: Yeah. Uh, I... I and think State that's Martell exactly comes out of retirement. What right. You take Martell. Come on, uh, we're we're not going all the way tired. down to the bottom here. You know what I mean? So uh, let, let's not go well, that well, far well, down. When you
2: look at SC, because when when Nick was talking about their quarterback there, uh at USC, he was talking about Miller Moss. If you go to the USC roster from last year, Miller Moss is, is the only quarterback on their roster that still had that that had a single digit number. I don't know if this is like a uh, – Right. I, I almost I, said I, that. Yeah, <laughs> like Hello. like – The he's rest of them are like 29. Yeah, like these are some weird yeah. guys. You know I'm saying? Some guys that definitely we're not looking to see the field when your next four quarterbacks down 29, 30, 31, and 38. Like Those aren't necessarily the guys that you're like, yeah, that's who we're going to start spring with, fellas. These are going to be taking second team reps. He, he, you know what I'm saying? He, he's one – Stub of the toe away from getting on the field. Like, that's that's not necessarily what you're looking for if you're USC and Lincoln Riley's first year, you know, where you talk about bringing Lincoln Riley back to greatness and finished it with a fight on in, in, in the intro video. Like, that's not really what we're looking for here.
0: <laughs> I get, we'll see how it goes. There's going to be a, one thing we know for sure there will be a Uh, transfer portal segment on every show moving forward because (laughs) it's always going to be active. So uh, we will get lots of moving and shaking um, uh, in the next upcoming weeks here. And like I said before, at the beginning of the show, we were planning at the end here to do our 2022 first year head coach draft. But since the Jim Harbaugh news has come out and we may have another new uh, head coach at some point here in the near future, we're going to hold off on it instead we're going to review what we did in 2021 much to my chagrin i uh, figured we could skim over this part nick but uh yeah mainly because i i performed terribly i performed as well as the texas longhorns uh, in, this season in this uh, well, you hitched and your is, wagon to i did Steve I, yeah. I, I hitched <laughs> my, my uh wagon to sark and it did not pay out for me in year one but uh Nick, I will pass the baton over to you to explain how we do this, what we do, and then if you want, you can go over what happened last year. I mean, I don't think we need to dwell on that part. Let's get more to the process of uh, the scoring system and everything so people know for this year, right? But uh, uh, take it away, Nick.
1: Yeah, so uh, you know, when when we were planning the show at the end of last week, we were thinking this was going to be the the big bulk of it. Didn't plan on spending an hour on uh, other stuff leading up to it, and assuming we get to this next week or whenever uh, the Harbaugh situation resolves itself, and if Michigan has the higher head coach, you know, uh, once once everything slows back down again, we will do this. It's one of my favorite things that that we've done and and the next time we do it will actually be our third annual so uh it it's a fun event to kind of you know think who's got the who's positioned the best as a first year head coach to uh either you know improve the program that they've taken over considerably or or keep them playing at a really high level and the way that we score it Uh, it's based on record. And last year was a little weird, of course, because not every team played the same number of games. And and so that could mess a little bit with uh, uh, the scoring somewhat, but uh, you get one point for every win. So, you know, uh, last year, uh, Scott had the first pick. He picked Sark. Uh, So, you know, Texas won uh, five games. So you get five points. Then you get two points for every win improvement over the prior season's record, or you lose a point for every, uh, let you know, each fewer win. So Texas specifically uh, had, had uh, in 2020 uh, gone seven and three. So they actually had five, or excuse me, two fewer wins last season than uh, the head coach, Tom Herman, that Sark replaced. So Sark actually lost two points for each of those uh, two fewer losses, so it comes down to one overall point for uh, our scoring system. Uh, another example, maybe a little easier to to follow. Um, uh, my my first pick, the number two pick in the draft, was Gus Malzahn. Um, he took over a six and four team at UCF, went nine and four, so got nine points for each win, and then three. Uh, additional wins at two per, so you get nine plus six equals fifteen. So pretty good pick there. Um, but we we totaled them all up last year when we drafted, and, and we actually did this draft before the entire uh, coaching carousel had had played out because we didn't know that there was going to be an opening at Kansas, and then uh, after Lance Leopold was hired, uh, an opening at Buffalo. Um, but we drafted first year head coaches. Uh, like we said, Sark was the number one pick, uh, Malzahn, number two, Xavier, our defending champion from the 2020 season, uh, picked Brett Bielema, And then, you know, we went from there uh to the end and tallied them all up here recently at the end of the season. And thanks very much to Blake Anderson, who just absolutely uh, lapped the field, put up 31 points, taking over a one-win oh, Utah geez. State team. Uh, they went 11 and three, won the Mountain West title, and you know 11 wins plus two additional points for the 10 extra wins gets up to 31, and pretty much single-handedly uh, brought me to victory because Xavier. This this is this is his thing apparently. I mean, he he uh, had. Four of his five picks were double-digit coaches, and there were only uh, seven coaches that were in double digits last year. So really consistent, really strong roster. Uh, he had 58 points, finished second to my 63 points. Nearly half of those points came from Blake Anderson alone. And then Scott finished third at a respectable uh, uh, 24 points. <laughs> so, uh,
0: If you say so. <laughs> Uh, but you can call it respectable. I don't know if it really is, but uh, we'll, uh, nowhere to go but up from here is what I would say. So,
1: uh, right, exactly. So, you know, we we uh spent a, a little extra time this week, probably than we will next week, on transfer portal stuff and just some other you know news and notes. But this does give us a little bit of extra time now to. Kind of you know dig in a, a little bit and Anderson was certainly the the MVP ended up as the highest scoring coach by our uh, scoring system, which not not a perfect system. I mean uh, you could certainly quibble with with uh, the way we end up ranking these guys, but um, it's a it's a you know it's been good to us, I guess so far, but a uh, little surprising maybe that number the number two coach last year, the way we we score these out was Shane Beamer, 17 points, really impressive first year for him. Uh, he was on a lot of people's you know national coach of the year lists. Um, Josh Heupel and Gus Malzahn tied for third with 15 points. Terry Bowden, who is was the uh, last pick, the pick that Xavier was stuck with taking over an 0-10 team that we thought for sure was going 0-and-whatever again. Um Ended up with 12 points and, and was the fifth most valuable coach last season. Andy Avalos and Brett Bielema tied for sixth at 11 points. Everybody else was single digits from here on out. Charles Huff and Kane Womack of Marshall and South Alabama tied for you eight.
0: You can just say the rest of my picks. It's okay.
1: <laughs> um, at 10th place, uh, Clark Lee at Vanderbilt, Lance Leopold, who none of us had, uh, and Brian Harson at Auburn, six points apiece. Thirteenth, tied for thirteenth, we had Will Hall at Southern Miss and Jed Fish at Arizona. Fifteenth, the other uh, pick that no one had was Buffalo. Uh, Sark finished sixteen out of seventeen uh, and was the number one overall pick, and I think actually the second year in a row the, the number one overall pick uh, just did not perform very well because it was uh, Norvell the previous year, right? And uh-huh. this didn't turn uh-huh. out, didn't turn out great. But Scott, some consolation perhaps. I ended up having the worst overall pick uh, because I took Butch Jones one Butch spot Jones. ahead of, of uh, <laughs> Terry Bowden, and Butch Jones, mm-hmm. uh, you know, two and ten last season. After Arkansas State had gone four and seven the year before, comes in at zero points. So, uh, you know, I, I certainly could have done better with that pick, but it, it you know, at least you didn't. Uh, didn't have, I mean, if we take
0: that pick away from Xavier, I still lose by 22 points. to him. So, <laughs> you know, uh, I mean, you would have dominated way more, but I still am getting smashed. So, uh, that doesn't feel so much like a consolation, but look, I got nowhere to go, but up, right? So Brian, you played the game. That's right. Well, well I'll take silver linings and something like this. So, uh, you know, uh, no, <laughs> nowhere to go, but up, but also, um, right now, I mean, what do we have? Uh, 65 new coaches? This draft is going to be forever. I mean, <laughs> well, right we now we've so got so many 29. new coaches. Yeah. yeah, we've got 29. We might, have 30.
1: we might end up with, with 31, 32. Who knows? Depending on what, what direction Michigan might go. Uh, so, yeah, we're, we're going to have to carve out uh, the majority, if not the entirety, of uh, whatever episode we do this in.
0: Um, but I mean, we get 30. That's know. literally 10 rounds for us. So, uh, the the we one did five last year.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, I guess we we won't dig too much into to next year. Sure, I was I was about to say there's not necessarily a uh slam dunk number one pick, but maybe there is. Maybe there is because there's a uh, really ballyhooed head coaching hire that's taken over a team that didn't win a whole lot of games next year. So there's some room for improvement there. But
2: you don't say- going,
1: going back to to last year's just just briefly as we kind of wrap up uh, today. You know, there were certainly some surprises with how everything shook out. But if we were to kind of project these ahead to next year, if we were to do a second-year head coach draft, Scott, who would be who would be your number one pick now based Ooh, on the same oh list? Oh, man. Uh, because, you know, Blake Anderson, like I said, Doubled up everybody else almost, uh, but now there's not a whole lot of room for improvement. And yeah, there's no sure, there's no
0: wiggle room for him. Sure. Yeah.
1: And are we? You know, yeah. Utah State might be on, might be a, a Mountain West contender again next year, but uh, it, you know, is that program still? Like you said, I mean, there's just there's That's not like, a whole lot of room for growth. So who who would maybe you pick Jed if Fish? We, if we're doing it?
0: I think he'd be Jed yes. Fish for, for, for Arizona because he's brought in so much through the portal. He's done a great job recruiting, uh, and they only won one game. So every win over one, you're getting those double points. I think that that is uh, absolutely who I'd have to take as my number one pick. Oh, Agree with that?
1: So Jed Fish certainly came to mind early, and the recruiting. I mean, we'll we'll talk a little bit. Uh, Maybe next week if we if we don't have the head coaching draft, we'll spend some time on uh signing day. But as of today, Arizona has the number one rated class in the Pac twelve <laughs> in the uh, in uh according to rivals in their second two four seven sports. But for a one in eleven team, that's that is crazy. I might be tempted to go for Sark because now there's room for improvement, right? They were uh yeah. Texas one five uh last year. It can't go down, right? So you have to you have to think they're gonna have uh seven, eight, nine wins. And there are even some folks that could make an argument now that, that in theory the quarterback position is figured out. And I think I even said last week, like, can we can we for sure think that Texas won't be a playoff contender? I know I might be uh I I, I might be tempted to take Sark if I were if I had that first pick or, or, if I had my second pick and you took
0: a uh, fish. Zavi, who, who would be your first pick? Uh, if we were redoing last year's. Um, I'm just
2: going on a crazy limb here. Zavi. Why not? You know, this is, this is what we do. Uh, my first pick would probably be, you know, probably be Brett Bielema. Uh, let's go for another good year. I think Brett Bielema gets him to a bowl game next year comfortably. I think this is a team that can easily. I think this is a team that finishes eight and four next year. Uh, I think Brad is getting them is starting to right the ship at Illinois and, and get them back to some previous successes like they had under another coach. Uh, you know that they got rid of. I think a little bit too early in, in Levy Smith. I think this is. A, I think this is a team that can do so. I think when you look around the Big Ten, especially if Jim decides to leave Michigan, I think you've got a Big Ten that is. I won't say completely up for grabs, but I expect. Uh, some drop-off from some teams like Penn State, who they beat last year already. Uh, Minnesota, I'm not expecting the world of, even though Mohamed Ibrahim is coming back from injury. Uh, I think this is a team that honestly could win seven seven games. And if that's the case, then um, that's an extra couple of points after they go five and seven. Um, You know, I could go crazy and decide to do, like, Clark Lee or Lance Leopold. But the idea that Kansas or Vanderbilt is able to somehow win more than three games next year, yeah, it, it, it is a little too much for my 100
0: percent of their FBS wins were in Austin this year. So. <laughs> so, know.
2: yeah, I just I can't I can't just say that uh, with, with with, you know, a full confidence. Um, but what I will say is this is is if we were doing this again, honest, I think I maybe would go with Shane Beamer. I think obviously when you bring out a quarterback like a Spencer Rattler, uh, you look at South Carolina schedule next year. This, te- this is a team that I mean, may lose to Georgia, Florida. And that might be it. Uh, you know, I haven't looked at their full schedule. So I would have to do that beforehand. That's obviously the homework that we would do uh, beforehand. But, you know, they they start off with Georgia State. They play Arkansas, Georgia. You know, the, the, the team they get from the West this year is a m So that would be a hard game in my opinion. But this is a team that I think could, could genuinely go nine and three, eight and four uh, and possibly win a bowl game. So nine and four. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, possibly winning bowl game, so nine and four. And I think when you have a guy like Spencer Rattler as your quarterback, you bring in Austin Stogner as well with him. Um, a, a team that really hit their stride on the back end in the last year season enough to get them to a bowl game and win a bowl game. I think you got to really look at uh, South Carolina as a team that's just this just, just just a little scary uh, going into this year, especially when Florida is a little bit in flux with Bailey Napier being a new coach. They don't even know who their starting quarterback is going to be going into the year between Jack Miller, and Richardson, and Jones. So. I wouldn't be surprised if South Carolina came out as the second best team in the East this year, to be perfectly honest with you. Either Denver, Tennessee, and that means you either take Hypo or Beamer. Go ahead, Nick.
1: So I, I'd be tempted with Hypo if I if I didn't go Sark. But uh, another question, and, and we can end on this. Uh, so last year, just to, to pat myself on the back just a tiny bit, I did target Anderson. And I did have a feeling that Utah State would be a much improved team. I don't know that I necessarily expected them to go, you know, to win 11 games and and win the Mountain West. I certainly didn't expect that, but I thought they had a chance to go to a bowl game. And and I believe I thought that is early enough uh, in the process in our uh, head coaching draft last year. So I did target Anderson. He was the eighth overall pick, my third pick. Um, But so who's somebody on the list that... You know, maybe a little under the radar, you know, you can let them slip a little bit. You know, they're not going to be uh, a first or second round pick, but somebody you would target in the middle or later rounds and think that that's going to be a steal. That might be the guy who uh, ends up winning the whole thing if they, you know, hit a home run like like Anderson happened to be last year. I've I've got one guy in mind. I wonder if somebody um, comes to mind for you guys. Uh,
0: Xavier, do you have one? Not on the top of my brain. I'll be honest who's your things. who's yours, Nick? That's that's an interesting question. Will Hall,
1: Southern Miss. Will Hall because okay. Southern Miss was a team that at didn't have a quarterback I mean, they played what four quarterbacks, five actual quarterbacks last year, and then by the end of the year had to, you know, mix in all Wildcat all the time with running right, backs that's and wide true. receivers. And Actually, got a little better when they did that. I mean, they, you know, they were uh, an improved team. The last couple of uh, games uh, ended up, you know, winning two games to to close the season against La Tech and, and FIU, and they played UTSA really close uh, in, in the week prior to that. So, you know, they they had shown some strides. You would expect that the quarterback position, even though they haven't necessarily uh, upgraded it on paper, but you would think, okay, you know, Ty Keys was a pretty highly rated true freshman who got a little bit of playing time, didn't look great last year, uh, but missed the vast majority of the season with an injury. Trey Lowe uh, was another transfer who actually started the year as the quarterback. It sounds like uh, he's maybe switching positions. So still a little bit of an unknown at, at quarterback, but I think I mentioned briefly, in prior weeks, the Southern Miss has really kind of taken an interesting approach to building their lines of scrimmage, and specifically uh, the defensive line, but you know the offensive line um, as well. They're basically getting Ole Miss and Mississippi State recruits and just, you know, guys who didn't necessarily see the field. uh, But, you know, three-star, even the occasional four-star guys. And they are building their lines of scrimmage, rebuilding the lines of scrimmage with power five talent. Um, And it's just kind of interesting. I mean, you know, Gore is coming back. Frank Gore, who the running back who ended up playing a lot of Wildcat quarterback. Jason Brownlee didn't have a huge... Uh, statistical season, but is as a guy that has impressed at times and has another year of eligibility. I do believe he's coming back. Um, they've got some work to do on the offensive line because some guys are out of eligibility, so they might not be done in the transfer portal there. But I think Southern Miss is a team that uh, gained some momentum at the end of the year, but they, you know, their record was worse than we might expect just because they had so much injury. Uh, issue at the quarterback position that I think it's going to be a little bit of a better situation next year. Um, and I just kind of like Will Hall. And I think there's some room for improvement. Three wins last year happened to match their 2020 win total. So Hall only got the three points, uh, but uh, he's he's definitely somebody that in the middle rounds, assuming or, or hoping that you guys would not, um, you know, jump on him. He he definitely would have been somebody at target as Maybe the uh you know have the chance, at least the outside chance, slim as it might be, to be the Blake Anderson or the you know highest scoring guy, or at least put up a good double digit number uh, next year if if we were to do this again.
0: All right. Well, uh, I I think we can we can end it there. Like you said before, uh, going to be very interesting when we get to it. I'm not sure if we're going to do it next week or if we're just going to do. Signing day. Uh, it depends on, you know, uh, I guess how how the signing day goes and how much we have to talk about. I think it'll probably be a unique. Main- well, we will
1: we will need to do something unique for signing day because we'll be talking about it. Uh, what five days after it happens, and everybody's going to have their uh, have right. heard all about signing day. So we'll we'll try to Very figure true. out if we're not doing the head coach, if Michigan, if if that job opens and if it's still open and that hasn't resolved itself. Um, we'll we'll think of something creative to do for signing day to give a little bit of different flavor since everybody will have caught up on all the best classes and all that by that time. So
0: we'll figure right, that out. Right, exactly. So we, we will have a show for you next week for sure, though. I mean, that that is for sure. We are uh, weekly moving forward. So uh, remember, you can follow us all on Twitter, at Bogman Sports for myself, at CFB Winning Edge for Nick and at Xavier underscore Trish, T-R-I-C-H-E, for Xavier. And we will see you guys next week. Take it easy, everybody.
1: Thank you to our Patreon supporters for keeping our show ad-free and for funding our wide range of college football analytics projects. Thanks also to Blake Austin for our theme music. To learn more about CFB Winning Edge, visit patreon.com slash CFB Winning Edge or follow us on Twitter at CFB Winning Edge.